Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. Heroes and a half shell, turtle power. Do you know that? If you were born in the 80s, like I was, and you watched cartoons in the early 90s, uh, then you surely do. I came of age during the peak of the popularity of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, I remember the Mutant Ninja Turtles primarily through the cartoons, uh, but of course, like many of our superheroes, uh, before there were cartoons, they were comics. And so the comics were very popular in the 80s. The comics were sold to uh, the cartoon industry, and then of course there were movies and uh, many movies. The movies have even been redone lately with new uh, turtles and graphics and whatnot. Uh, I was obsessed with the Ninja Turtles when I was five, six, seven, eight, nine. We watched the cartoons religiously. I'm sure I've seen every episode. Uh, we had lots of toys and action figures and blankets and pillows and decorations. Uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were everywhere when I was a kid. Uh, we even would take, uh, I remember taking mom's like sewing basket and she would tear off strips of cloth and we would tie them around our head and we would cut eye holes in them and tie them on our elbows and our, our knees. Gosh, I have spent hours dressed up like a Ninja Turtle. My family suggested that I dress like a Ninja Turtle today, that that would be a, a helpful way to start this sermon. Uh, I didn't make that happen. Uh, we do have at our house a turtle shell and a mask, uh, but if I had tried to put those on in front of you, it would have been like a Chris Farley bit, you know, big guy in a little coat uh, sort of thing. So uh, I, still, I still enjoy the Ninja Turtles, though, of course, I've grown out of some of those things. Uh, you may remember the characters. Uh, Leonardo is blue. He's kind of the leader. Uh, Donatello's in purple. He's sort of the intellectual. Uh, Raphael is in red. He was sort of the hot-headed one. And then uh, Michelangelo in orange. He was the silly, goofy one. Uh, they ate a lot of pizza. They lived in the sewer with a mutant rat named Splinter. Uh, and they helped protect the New York City against crime with the help of April O'Neil, a TV news reporter. Uh, they were always working to defeat Shredder and his, his uh, crew as they looked to take over the city and take over the world. What a, great, what a great series, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Of course, there are many others. You probably have your favorite going back uh, decades. We have uh, Superman and Spider-Man and Batman. We have Wonder Woman. We're going to talk about Wonder Women today. We have The Flash and Captain America and Hulk. Uh, I'm not an expert on any of those things anymore, uh, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were really important to me at one time. Something about the superhero motif, it really speaks to us, right? Whether we're children or adults, whether it's cartoons or comics or the new mega blockbusters that come out every few months. Uh, the superhero theme, right? To, to do good and to do justice, uh, to help to save the world from the evil powers that continue to come upon it, right? That speaks to us. It continues to speak to us across generations. Uh, many of you will recognize Stan Lee. He was a longtime writer and producer uh, for Marvel Comics. He died a few years ago. Uh, he's sort of recognized as the face and, and leader of the comic industry for so many years. Uh, he said this. He said, A hero is someone who is concerned about other people's well-being and will go out of his or her way to help them, even if there's no chance for a reward. That person who helps others simply because it should or must be done, because it's the right thing to do, is indeed, without a doubt, a real superhero. 
So that is our theme, as you've heard today, for Vacation Bible School. We're so excited. We've got uh, Captain Mir, the Meerkat, here guiding us at Hero Hotline, June 11th through June 15th, 530-730. I've already read through the lessons. We're using some of those lessons to preach today and next week so that you adults are learning some of the VBS material right alongside our children. So you can talk about it with them. You can come to VBS and help teach and lead and volunteer, and we'll all be on the same page as a whole church here for the next few weeks. So superheroes, superheroes in the Bible. Today we read this wonderful story, and I, I appreciate Jim reading it. It was a much longer scripture reading than we typically have, but there's, there's really no way to cut it any down any shorter because you need all those parts for it to make sense. The first thing that Jim read from Exodus 1 was that in those days there was a new king in Egypt. That's a really important phrase. There's a new king in Egypt. Previously, the king of Egypt had been in a good relationship with the Israelites through the leadership of Joseph, right? Joseph came to be a, a leader there in Egypt and its, um, its hierarchy. He worked alongside the king. He protected the people from famine. At the end of Genesis, the people of Israel are living alongside the people of Egypt. The leadership is working together. Everything is going smoothly at the end of Genesis. And then Exodus tells us there is a new king. The new king does not know Joseph and does not fear God. So Exodus begins in a very different way. And because the new king does not fear God, he begins to look around at the Israelite people, the Hebrew people, and he says, wow, there are so many of them. They're, they're getting larger and larger. They're going to be more than we are soon, and they might join our enemies. They might fight us in a battle. We need to do something. And so the new king turns the Israelite people into slaves. This is how the story of Exodus begins. The new king, Pharaoh, turns the Israelite people into slaves. In fact, he is so sort of self-centered and shallow, he's so afraid of the Israelite people that he tells the midwives who are helping to, to provide support during childbirth, he tells the midwives, if there's any Hebrew boys born, you ought to kill them right then. Well, that's a pretty terrible idea, right? He said, if it's a girl, you can let her live, but if it's a boy, you just need to kill her. I think we need to get these Israelite people under control. Enter these two figures that we read about today, Shifra and Pua. Now, those may not be names that resonate with you when you think about key figures in the Old Testament, but I hope after today and after Vacation Bible School that those two names stick with you a little bit longer. Pharaoh tells them, if there's any boys born, just kill them right then, do away with them. But Shifra and Pua, of course, recognize that this is an unreasonable request. They say uh, instead, of course, that they know God, they know God's will. This isn't something God would want done. And so they disobey the Pharaoh. Now, there's this wonderful line when the Pharaoh comes to them and says, why haven't you done what I said, right? And they say, well, the Hebrew women are just too vigorous. They give birth too quickly, right? Uh, we try to get there and do what you said, but the babies are already born, right? Which is obviously a lie. But these midwives are protecting the mothers and protecting the babies. They're disobeying Pharaoh. It's a small little story, but it's a remarkable story of bravery, of maternal instinct, of protection of the young. I mean, it's a really inspiring thing. Risking their own life, risking their livelihood, standing against this powerful king. So then we get another chapter to the story. It says that there's a, a Levite man and woman. They have, they have a child. The child, of course, is a Hebrew boy, and so he's supposed to be put to death. But they protect him. They hide him as long as they can. And after three months where they can't hide him any longer, right? Our child's about two months old, so I can appreciate that, right? When you can't hide them any longer, when they're too loud, they're too big, they put him in a basket, and they line it with tar, and they put it in the river. Now, the word here for basket is the same word that's used in Genesis for ark. It's not just a basket, it's a boat, right? They put this three-month-old baby in a boat in the river, and they hope for the best. 
Now, there's a really important line there in that reading that Jim just read. It said that his older sister was standing by the river's edge, and she was watching all of this take place. Now, his older sister, we don't know who all these people are yet in this story, but we know from reading ahead, this is Moses, the baby, and his older sister is Miriam. Miriam is standing at the river's edge, an older, protective sister, watching her brother, three-month-old brother, float down the river. When Pharaoh's daughter comes to bathe in the river, and Pharaoh's daughter sees the basket, sees the baby, and she's moved. She says, this must be one of the Hebrews' babies. And Miriam steps in and says, oh, uh, yeah, do you think we ought to, should we get a nurse to take care of that baby for you? Should we protect it? So Moses' older sister steps in, intercedes, takes Moses back to his mother. And she serves as his nurse until he's old enough to be weaned and returns to Pharaoh's daughter as her son. A lot of moving parts here. Shifra and Pua who refused to follow the Pharaoh's order to put the young boys to death. And then Miriam, Moses' sister who looks after him in the reeds, in the basket, in the water, and then steps in with this clever idea, shouldn't we take him to a Hebrew nurse? And actually reunites him with his rightful mother. Remarkable story of bravery, of of cleverness, of heroic activity on their part. It's also, of course, a story about how God's at work in the world. We often think that God is at work in the rulers and the authorities. Sometimes that's the case, like at the end of Genesis. God is at work in Joseph and through the king of Egypt. But then there are also stories where God is not at work through rulers and authorities, where rulers and authorities go against God's will in the world. And instead, God works through these common people who step up in these significant circumstances under significant pressure and they serve God in remarkable ways we sometimes think about God being at work through the powerful but but in fact in scripture it's often that God's at work through the the powerless who sort of stumble into these odd circumstances they find some faith they respond to God's call and they become the heroes of our biblical story so it is with those like Shifra and Pua and Miriam, unlikely heroes, unlikely figures who find themselves responding in faith to God's call on their lives. As I was thinking about how this hero theme translates to our modern day, some key figures came to mind. One would be Harriet Tubman. I was talking to Edith about the sermon, and she said, oh yeah, we, we studied Harriet Tubman in elementary school this year, right? So you probably studied Harriet Tubman in the Underground Railroad in school at one time. You'll remember that Tubman was in Maryland as a slave. She was abused as a slave, as many slaves were. She was injured. She had a significant head injury. It's at that time in her teenage years, her early 20s, she begins to have visions and dreams of freedom. She, in fact, was a Methodist, and it was a lot of her faith development that helped to shape her. She began to think about living elsewhere, living outside of slavery. So Tubman escaped herself, but after she escaped to Philadelphia, she began to think about those she left behind. And, of course, she joined in the work that was later known as the Underground Railroad. Tubman herself helped dozens of family and friends escape from the South, from slavery, to the North, to free states, and even some unto Canada. I love this mural that's painted in Maryland of Tubman reaching through the broken wall and welcoming those to follow her to freedom. I hope you can see in Tubman sort of a similar heroic spirit as Shifra and Pua and Miriam. 
stepping in against the authorities of the world to do what is right and what is just according to God's will. One of my favorite stories, I don't think I've used it in a sermon, at least I don't remember it. One of my favorite stories, and I would encourage you to read more about these folks, uh, Andre and Magda Trocme from Le Chambon, France. World War II, 1940, German forces are beginning to encroach upon France. They're taking over France a parcel at a time. There are some French authorities that begin to cooperate with German authorities. And then there are some communities like Le Chambon, who stand up against those German authorities, who stand up against the German military, and they become a safe haven and a refuge for Jews who were seeking freedom and protection. This is a small community, Le Chambon. It's in the mountains of south-central France, a few thousand people, much, much smaller than Perigold, a little bitty town. And yet this preacher, André Trachme, along with his wife, Magna, began to preach and teach that we need to resist this violence. We need to protect those who are in danger. We need to care for those who are in need. And so Le Chambon became known as a refuge. Many, many Jewish people found their way there for protection, for hiding. It was rural people, farmers, and schools, small families, small homes. They did all they could. And they believe some three to 5,000 Jews were protected or were cared for there in Le Chambon during World War II. Since then, there have been lots of awards given. There's been lots of plaques put up. This community continues to receive accolades for its work in World War II. And it kind of has a reputation even now for being a place of refuge and care for others who are leaving perhaps places further to the south, Africa, even into Asia, into the Middle East. They come to Le Chambon because it's a place of freedom and protection. Vacation Bible School this year is about superheroes, including the heroes we find in Scripture. I worry a little bit when we use that hero language that 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 may sound like sort of some some works righteousness, like you have to do something to prove yourself to God, or it may just sound like pressure, like you've got to do something amazing and wonderful, right? I hope what our children learn in VBS, and I hope what you hear today, that the heroes in the Scriptures and that some of the heroes in our own tradition here more recently are often everyday people doing the next most faithful and brave thing. Now, of course, the heroes we remember, the Tubmans and the Trochmays, are those who find themselves in particularly dire circumstances. We may not all find ourselves in similar circumstances, but we can still look to those heroes who came before us as a source of, a source of inspiration. What would it be like for us to respond in a similar way, with bravery willing to take some risk, with hope in our hearts, being clever, challenging perhaps some of the authorities and the assumptions of the day, caring for those who stand in need so that all people might know peace and justice. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we give thanks for the heroes of faith, those recorded in Scripture and those we celebrate across our church's history. For Shifra and Pua, for Miriam, for Harriet Tubman and many like her, for Andre and Magda Trachme and others like them. We give thanks and we celebrate their heroic acts on behalf of you and for the sake of the church. And we pray that we might be inspired to follow in their footsteps. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparacle.org. May God bless you this week.